seat. Let's, let's pray together. Father, we're so grateful that you are our shepherd. And you go before us. And you lead us. And you provide for us. And out of all of the provisions, God, that you give us, which are more than we can begin to even recognize or count, God, the greatest provision you've given us is the gift of yourself. And so now, Father, we ask that you would once again lead us with the pure life-giving water of your word, with your Holy Spirit working and anointing and empowering God, not just a man to preach your word, but a people to receive your word. God, with humility, with a desire not just to hear, but to put into practice. God, we look forward to what you will do in the coming moments and beyond. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You can open up your copy of God's Word to the book of Psalms. We'll be in Psalm 13. So if you're, if you're here in the room, watching online, Psalm 13. And what I want to do is draw your attention to this amazing artwork behind me, all right? This is, this is obviously our, our sermon series graphic for this Seek Justice series. And uh, you will probably be surprised to know that uh, this is not just handmade artwork, but it is artwork that was produced in-house by our very own Jesse Francois. So can we give it up for Jesse? Just a, amazing. I know he didn't do it for the props, uh, but I, when he sent me this art, I, I just kept t- talking to Marsha, like, you got to, like, look at this again. Like, look at this detail and that detail. It's just, I was, I was captivated and, and compelled. Like, I, I think I could, like, preach a sermon series just from this, this art alone. It captures so much of, of what we hope to communicate in this series, this primary call to seek justice. I think this season has been marked, yes, by the, the, the rising up of so many voices coming together, whether uh, in, in, a, in a crowd with a, a visible protest or in conversations or maybe online through social media. So many of us have been seeking to raise our voice, raise our awareness of not just racism in America and in our hearts, but then to not be okay with it and to seek justice. And you can, you can see here the crowd gathering and individuals taking a stand. I love the, the, the man with the, microf- the megaphone. He's, he's turning it on and he's about to let his voice be heard. But then in the foreground of the, the work, you see this child. This young boy who wants to be seen and tears are filling his eyes and beginning to run down his face. In a moment of weakness but of strength, he's making his presence known. At the same time being consoled by this woman, probably his mother, who's strengthening him and, 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 and urging him to to not lose heart, but to take a stand. I think the picture of this young boy gives us a picture of of what God is calling us to. God is calling us to to learn to lament, to, to lament before him and to lament with others. When, when I asked Jesse to, to just help me understand what, what was going through his mind and heart as he worked on this piece, his was, this was some of his reflection. He said this, when I originally sat down to work on this piece, I wanted to capture the emotion being displayed all over the country for the injustices being experienced 
by the black community. I wanted to stir up empathy for what people have been experiencing for many generations. The harsh, bright colors represent the raw emotion of the protests in our cities, both present and past. The people with signs call back, yes, to the days of the civil rights movement where all races made their voices heard for justice. And the small child in the front with his mother being on the front line, pleading to be seen not as a threat, but as a human being. As a good father listens to the cries of his children, Jesse said, let's bring our voice to the greatest father and reflect on his wisdom so that we can seek the justice created by him. Today is about learning what it looks like to lift our voice to the greatest father. And to do so recognizing that for our black community, in our faith community and in our larger, greater Medford, greater Boston community, they have been practicing lament for 401 years in this land. 1619 marks the, the, the year when the first slaves were brought from Africa to work here for white people. And so that's why I'm excited today. I'm excited because today provides an opportunity for us to be instructed. For, for us to, I think for us to learn to lament is for, for many of us, for, for, I'll speak for my, it's, it's going to be like learning a new language. In part because we're not very good at this, not only as individuals, not only as Americans, but even as the American church. We're not, we're not super comfortable with the idea of lamenting or lamenting together. And part of the reason we're not comfortable is because we live in a land of comfort. We have it, we have it so good, we have it so easy that we can become desensitized to the, to the pain and the brokenness around us. And so we're going to go to the, the Psalms today, specifically Psalm 13, to learn to lament together. And that's the simple call of today's message. Learn to lament over the sin of racism. Learn to lament over the sin of racism. If we want to learn to lament, we should certainly spend some time in the book of Psalms. Some scholars actually divide the Psalms into two broad categories, Psalms of praise and, yes, Psalms of lament. Did you know that 40% of the Psalms are either Psalms of lament or they contain lament within them? And yet, if I were allow you to peer into my prayer life, and even I'm convicted. We, we as pastors need to think about this as, a, as, as, a, as, as leaders and as a congregation, not just on you know, Friday night fire nights, uh, but, but on Sunday mornings to provide space to lament and to lament together. Psalm 13 is so helpful because it provides a, a simple a framework in three stanzas that can teach us how to lament and bring our lament to God. This is what the, the psalmist David writes. To the choir master, a psalm of David. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day long? 
How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemy say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Father, we ask that in these moments, you would help us to receive. God, you would teach us what it looks like to relate to you, maybe in a new way or more consistently in a fresh way, by incorporating a lament into our lives and into our relationships and into our groups and church and city. Because this is grace that you've given us. Help us, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. There are three stanzas in this psalm of lament. And it's super easy to, to recognize and, and remember because you can see the space. If you're looking in your, in your written copy probably of God's Word, you see a space after verse 2 and a space after verse 4. So there are three stanzas, two verses apiece, one and two, three and four, five and six, three elements of what it looks like to lament before God. The first stanza teaches us that lament involves bringing our pain to God in prayer. Bring your pain, our pain to God in prayer. I don't know about you, but just reading this psalm, you're immediately struck by the showcase of raw emotion, the vulnerability as David, this lover of God, the the one who is described as a man after God's own heart, that he lays his situation before God, and he is so honest with God in six questions, really five in in the English, but, but there are two in that one question. With six questions, he just lifts his voice to heaven. How long? How long? Oh, Lord. Will you forgive me forever? There's an intensity about his prayer. The question, how long? He's saying, I'm weary, God. I'm tired. I feel like I can't go on. I've been praying. Have you ever been there at church? I've been praying about the same thing day after day, week after week, month after month, and there seems to be no change. God, how long? I'm I'm waiting on you, God. Will you forget me forever? He feels like He's been forgotten by God. He feels as though God is indifferent. Perhaps as if God doesn't care about him and what he's going through. And the next question relates to that. He says, how long will you hide your face from me? I mean, this is always about a relationship, right? It's always about a relationship with God. And so it feels as though God has turned his face away, that, that, that he's feeling feelings of abandonment. And let me tell you, we can have the best theology. We can have all of our verses memorized. God, you will never leave me nor forsake me. God, you are always with me. We just sing about it. I know Matthew 28. I know Psalm 23. But God, I'm not feeling it right now. There will be moments, there will be seasons in our lives where we feel like God has moved. even though we know better. And he goes on and he says, how long? How long must I take counsel in my soul? 
This is a statement that seems to reveal that there is this ongoing conversation that he's having within himself. He's processing. He's wrestling. He's trying to sort it out and figure it out. Listen, there is always a battle going on in our minds. Our minds are like a battleground. And he's asking question after question. He can't stop thinking about it. And then he says, how long must I have sorrow in my heart all the day he's grieved, no doubt shedding tears over his circumstances. The word can be translated uh, suffering or tormented. How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? He's in the the vulnerable position of weakness. And and those who are against him are, are taking delight. They're gloating over him in his weakness. I mean, just from reading these two verses, we can feel the intensifying of emotions. But if we were able to read this in the Hebrew, the original language that Psalm 13 was written in, we would see an intensification even just by how the verses build. Phrase one has five words. Phrase two has six words. Phrase three has eight words. And phrase four then interjects the presence of an enemy. It's as if the psalmist is communicating that his suffering grows worse the longer it continues. I mean, how would you describe what's going on here? Like if you were just to choose a word that might capture what's happening in David's heart, how would you describe it? Desperation? Anguish? Exhaustion? Confusion? The suffering is so intense, it feels like he has been removed from Eden. He has been kicked out of the very presence of God. And so verses verses 1 and 2 teach us that lament is a prayer in pain that leads to trust. That's what lament is. When we lament, we are are articulating a prayer in pain that ultimately is going to lead us to trust. This is what Mark Vrogoff says in his book, Weep With Me, a very excellent work. He has a couple of other books on lament as well, I believe, at least one other. Every lament carries our complaints to God. It's a conversation with God about our pain. And I just want to say this today. Listen, if we are not bringing our pain before God, we're not being honest with God. Like it is. We all have pain. We all live in a broken world. Life is not perfect. And so if there are not times where we're just bringing with raw, honest emotion, God, this is how I'm feeling, perhaps we're not being honest with God or honest with ourselves. And I think one of the calls of today, listen, one of the calls of today is that God is asking each one of us, be more vulnerable with me. You can, you can just bring whatever is on your heart, whatever is on your mind, whatever emotions you're carrying, just bring them to me. I am big enough to handle them. And not just our own, but the, the pain and the brokenness of, of those around us. That's why Sung Chain Ra says in his book, Prophetic Lament, he says, Lament recognizes the struggles of life and cries out for justice against existing injustices. This is, this is the, the connection. It's, it's not just a personal, God, this is what's going on with me, but it's a communal, this is what's going on with us. 
And this is, again, this is one of the reasons also, not just because of, like, we, we had to kind of have it made oftentimes as Americans and we live such comfortable lives as Americans, but also as the Western mind is so individualized, we read, like Pastor Steve highlighted on Friday night, that, you know, Daniel and Daniel 9 and, and, and Nehemiah and Nehemiah 9 and Ezra 9, th- th- when they're bringing their prayers before God, they start praying for the sins of their fathers for past generations. And we're like, dude, why are you praying about that? That's not your fault. You weren't there. But they recognize that we are connected. We are responsible. That yes, the consequences for their sin is still felt today. And so God, I'm sorry. We're sorry, forgive us. We're turning from those wicked ways. How acutely do you feel the pain? This is a real question. I really, want to, I really want you to ask this question. How acutely do you feel the pain? Some of you know that uh, a few years ago, uh, it was actually anniversary, Sunday's coming up. I think this was like now two, three years ago. Um, time flies when you're having fun being a pastor and having an awesome family and all this, but... Um, on anniversary Sunday, I, I, I messaged Pastor John at, at like 11 p.m. on Saturday night saying like, man, you might, you might have to preach for me because I don't know if I can get out of bed. Now, this, this is like this reoccurring episode happened like three or four or five times throughout a span of nine to 12 months where I would get such severe abdominal pain that I would be in the fetal position in my bed and then uh, get sick to my stomach about four hours later in the middle of the night. Sorry for all the graphic details here today. But, but this was happening again, and, and the pain was, was as intense as it ever had been, and I just was praying, God, I really want to be there tomorrow, anniversary Sunday, and share what you put on my heart. And, and somehow, some way, the Lord was gracious, and I made it through. And what I came to discover at the, the, the jazz brunch that was going on. is like, I couldn't, I couldn't even walk up the stairs. And so like, Marcia's like, we need to go to the hospital. I'm like, I'll oh, just take me to urgent care. You know, I'll be good. You know, that's all right. I mean, I can't like, I can't like lift my leg up more than this, but like, I'll be fine. You know, she's like, no, we're going to the emergency room. So thank God for an awesome life. Um, so I get there and they, they check me out. And not only do I have uh, a, appendicitis, but I have a ruptured appendix. <laughs> So I don't know about all my friends, but I am the only pastor that I know that preached through a ruptured appendix. All right, can I just, can I just you know, give some props for that? Thank you very much. <laughs> I am the only pastor stupid enough to preach through a <laughs> ruptured appendix. But, but, but here's the point, here's the point. Uh, as I'm laying there in, in the bed waiting for you know, the, the, the doctor to come by and to, to do the scans and the nurses would keep coming by and they would keep using this scale of, of pain and, and they, would, they would ask, you know, on a, on a scale, our nurses in the house, right, on a scale of one to ten, how are, like, how's your pain? And if I was laying flat, not moving, like not, like no abdominal movement or like no leg, like movement at all, like I'm like at a three, you know, like a three, maybe four. But if, if I move, it's like, it's going 9, 10. You know what I'm saying? I just, I can't take it. I need more medicine kind of pain. And I think one of our problems is this. When it comes to injustice, so many of us, God forgive me, so many of us, for far too long, when it comes to racial injustice, we've been at like a two or three. When our black brothers and sisters are at a nine or a ten, 
that's not okay. It's just simply not okay. It's not okay in the, the family of God. It's not okay in the family of humanity. That's the heart of a follower of Christ. If you rejoice, I'm rejoicing with you. I get to, I'm, I'm in on that. But if you are suffering, I am suffering too. We will not seek justice to reflect the anti-racist heart of God if we do not see the brokenness around us and feel the pain of those who are suffering. And so lament begins by bringing our pain to God, but we don't stop there. It's not just honest, raw emotion. Yes, you can call it complaining to God. This is my situation, God. I don't like it. But we have to move on to step two, which is making bold requests for restoration. Make bold requests for restoration. The vulnerable emotion of verses one and two gives way to the bold request of verses three and four. The how longs and the whys of verses one and two move on to say, and so God, in light of that, I'm asking you to fill in the blank. And this is how he fills in the blank, verse three. Consider and answer me, O Lord, my God, Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death, lest my enemy say I have prevailed over him, lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. You see, this is how we enter into true lament. We don't just voice our, our concerns and our complaints to God, but, but we say, listen, God, I'm not okay with how this is going, and so I'm asking you to bring a change. I'm asking you to do something about it. I'm asking you to restore. There are three commands here in these verses. He says, consider or look. Let me know you are here. Let me feel your presence. Let me know that you hear my cries. Let me see, God, that you are still moving. And then he says, answer. He's asked a lot of questions, right? He's, he's, how long, how long, how long, why, will? And so he says, God, would you, would you answer? Would you respond? Would you bring justice? Would you shine down favorably on this situation, our situation, our land? And then I love the third, the, the third request. It's, these requests are bold requests. They're, they're in the form of an imperative. We, we almost like, he, we get the sense that he's like instructing God. That's super strong, but that's, the, that's like the force of, he's pleading with God. God, please do something. Light up my eyes. Light up. So listen, this is not a request to see the path ahead more clearly. For, for David to pray, light up my eyes, he's saying, God, restore my health. Not give, God, give me strength. Not just physical strength, but, but mental and emotional and spiritual health, vitality, and strength. God, only you are going to keep me going. Only you are the one who restores my soul. And this is made, made plain by the next phrase, which says, lest I sleep this sleep of death. When he's saying, light up my eyes, he's saying, give me life. Don't let me, don't let me go out like this. I, 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 I want to honor you, and, and I want to see your life flood my soul and the souls of the people around me. And, and as we look closely at Psalm 13, what, what I love about this psalm is it shows how that lament is, again, it's after restoration. Lament is after resolution. 
So, so do you remember in verse one, he's saying, God, it seems like you're, you've, you've hid your face. And now what he's saying, look, look, consider. And then he's, he's, he's saying, how long shall my enemy be exalted over me? And now he's making a request, God, light up my eyes, lest my enemy say I've prevailed over him, lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. This, this one request, it, it has like the, the force of, of, of a, a domino effect. Give me life. Lighten up my eyes. Because if you do, God, then I won't sleep the sleep of death and my enemies won't rejoice over me and my foes won't rejoice because I'm shaken. And I think it helps us maybe ask the question, what's one prayer that we could pray in this season in our lives that would have that kind of effect? Here are a few that just came to, to my mind this week. God, light us up. Light up your people. Bring us life. God, flood this city with justice. Eradicate our selfishness. Let love, your love, God, reign over this city. Put leaders in schools, businesses, corporations, yes, churches, yes, government, who will do the work of seeking justice and the work of anti-racism. In order to lament, we, we have to see the brokenness and then we have to be willing to raise our voice and beg God to move on our behalf, on their behalf. Let me show you what this might look like. God, we lament. We lament, God, for how we've distanced ourselves from one another. Rather than pursuing relationships across ethnic differences. God, we lament that the U.S. Census Bureau shows the annual income, income for black Americans is the same as it was 50 years ago when Dr. King marched on Washington. God, we lament. We are not okay with that. We lament that now the, the illegal uh, practice, the, the now illegal practice of redlining, which kept thousands of black families from buying a home, created such massive generational wealth gap. We lament that black people and other people of color have to be tempted, listen, to whiten their resumes. So, let, me, let me translate that. Sound more white. Go read this book by Austin Channing Brown. It's called I'm Still Here. Her parents named her Austin so that she would sound like a white boy and have more opportunities to get ahead in life. How incredibly sad. Because the likelihood of you whitening your resume increases the likelihood of a callback by 15%. We lament that black inmates make up 33% of the prison population, but 12% of Americans. We lament that while black and white Americans use marijuana at similar rates, one group is almost four times more likely to be arrested. You know which group. God, we lament that the black church in America had to be created because they were treated as second class, but not in your eyes. We lament our racial insensitivity. We lament that so often, even as Christians, maybe especially as Christians, God, we consider racial issues as political rather than biblical. 
We lament, as Eric Mason points out in his book, that we have not treated justice as a primary doctrine of the church, even though we know that when Jesus was teaching about loving your neighbor as yourself, he didn't tell the story of the Good Samaritan to motivate us to do a couple deeds of kindness, but he primarily lifted up the ethnic minority looked down upon and discriminated by the majority culture to lift him up as a hero to say that everyone is your neighbor and everyone deserves the love of God. That, that means amen now at Redemption Hill. Just. God, we not only amen, but we repent. God, change our land. God, start with us. Forgive us for the times we have not spoken up. Forgive us for the times we've let microaggressions go unchecked. Forgive us for not feeling the pain of those hurting around us. God, forgive us for perpetuating racial disparities in our workplaces and schools. Forgive us for not showing love to the new neighbors that moved into our building or our neighborhood when everyone else is conveniently ignoring them. God, forgive us. Lamenting before God not only brings our pain to God in prayer, but it makes bold requests for God to move and to bring change in our midst. And then, and then finally, as we learn to lament, we will express patient trust in God's faithfulness. Express patient trust in God's faithfulness. I, I don't know about you, but verses 5 and 6 kind of feel like they belong in another song. You know, it's like, what? This is a, this is a sharp, like, this, this is maybe not a U-turn, but this is like one of those, you're on the side of the mountain, and you see 17 signs coming up, and it is a sharp turn. In the midst of all of David's pain, he still wants God, needs God, and loves God. The laments of, of the Bible paint a vivid picture of the mixed emotions that we carry, not only in life, but even in our relationship to God. I know you've prayed like this. How long? God, why? God, what's going on? It doesn't add up. But I trust you. I know you're there, God. Look at, look at what he says. He, he begins in verse 5. He says, but. Here is the shift. And listen, there has to be a shift I'm just going to tell you, if you live in verses 1 through 4, your emotions will overwhelm you. As Philip Mitchell, a new pastor that I've uh, learned about through a mutual friend uh, in Atlanta said this past week, he said, we have to have a theology of suffering that is greater than our emotions. God is there. He does care. He does love us. But then number two, listen, if you live in verses one through four, this is just a pretty safe prediction. You are going to become bitter and you are going to move further down the road potentially to despair. Lament is a path of healing. God gives us lament so that we can be honest with him, but then we can experience his healing touch. He says, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. We can see that there's a fight of faith going on here. God, I don't like what's happening in my life, in their life, in our country. But God, I'm going to keep trusting in you because you haven't changed your love is steadfast. That means it keeps coming. It keeps going on and on and on every single day. There, did you know that there is a book in the Bible that is full 
from the first verse to the last verse of lament. It's called maybe the most neglected book by the American church in the Bible, Lamentations. Five chapters full of lament. The only word of hope, which we all have memorized, it is encouraging and I'm glad we've memorized it. In verses 21 through 23 says what? Yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. In our pain, we remember that God still loves us and we, we fight to trust in his great love. I love what Jerry Bridges says about trust. He says, trust is not a passive state of mind. It is a vigorous act of the soul by which we choose to lay hold on the promises of God and cling to them despite the adversity that at times seek to overwhelm us. Just remembering that God is there, just remembering that God loves us, it fortifies us. It gives us the strength to keep moving to the point where we can then begin to say, my heart will rejoice in your salvation. God, you are so faithful that I know you will show up. And listen, God, you are so faithful that if you do not bring justice to black America now or to whatever it is that we're praying about now and the injustices that we see, abortion, you name it, God, you are the just judge. And nothing will go unnoticed or unaccounted for by you. Justice is coming because God is faithful. So we can rejoice in God's salvation. We can sing to the Lord because he's dealt so bountifully with us. Listen, there is always a reason to hope, even in our pain, because of who God is and because of what he's done. And if the tomb was not empty, I wouldn't feel that way. But Jesus is alive, and that changes everything. And so we ask the question, God, how long? How long? And at one level, we, that matters because we want the answer to be yesterday. But on the other hand, we can say in Christ, God, it doesn't matter how long because you are with me and you are faithful. And you are going to carry me through this pain all the way to your healing restoration. And so as we learn to lament, listen, this is such a a simple framework. But maybe not simple to step out in in the, the awkwardness of learning a new way to pray. But it's as simple as bringing our pain, saying, God, how long? Why? of then bringing our pain with bold request. God, we are asking you. And in our bold asking, expressing patient trust, God, we are asking you, but we will trust in you no matter what. That's what it looks like to lament. And as we bring our time in God's word to a close, I want to inform you or remind you that the last week of the life of Jesus Christ was marked by lament. There's such a a strange juxtaposition of Jesus, the the king of not just like a, a particular kind of people, but the king of all kings, the king of the entire world, that he's coming in on this humble donkey and people are shouting, hey, here's the savior, the deliverer is coming, salvation is here. And so this triumphal entry is right beside Jesus seeing the city in Luke 19. What does it say in Luke 19, verses 41 and 42? 
But when he drew near and saw the city, he saw the brokenness. He saw the the injustice and the pain of the people and their suffering. And when he saw, it says that he wept over the city. He wept for the people. Saying, would that you, even you, would have known on this day the things that make for your peace. This is is what the work of seeking justice is all about. This is what it means to be a justice seeker. This is what it means to lament. Jesus, like no one, did you know that Jesus in Isaiah is called a man of sorrows? Like what what do we do with that? Here's what we do with it. We understand that no one had a vision of God's perfect world, his shalom, our flourishing like Jesus Christ. And consequently, no one saw the gap between God's intention and our sinfulness, God's idea of justice and our injustices. And so the gap crushed the heart of Jesus Christ so much so that he was riding in with these shouts surrounding him and he is weeping tears over the sin, pain, and brokenness before him. But Jesus not only sees our brokenness, Jesus enters our brokenness. Jesus was so disturbed by the brokenness around us and the brokenness in our hearts that he became broken for us on the cross. And this is our call as justice seekers as well. Yes, we receive the healing salvation of Jesus and him dying on the cross for our sin and all of our sin, not just against God, but against one another. And if you've never done that today, do that today. But now we reflect him in all of our ways, in all of our relationships, and saying, Jesus, if you were willing to be broken for their brokenness, Jesus, I am too. Seeking justice means that we are willing to be broken for someone else's healing, that we are willing to be disadvantaged for someone else's advantage. Brokenness leads us to trust, and lament leads us to action. Let's be a people that will seek justice, even as we learn to lament together as the body of Christ. Father, we pray that you would help us to learn to lament. We pray through Christ, amen. I want to invite Pastor Steve Agbula out and He's going to continue to lead us in a time of prayer. And I just want to invite you to pray along with him as he prays a prayer of lament over us. Thanks, Pastor Steve. And so, Father, we thank you again for your word this morning that gives life. The entrance of your word gives life. It gives understanding to the simple. Father, this morning, we thank you for your word that we've heard. We thank you, God, for the conviction of your word. And Lord, this morning, even like the children of Israel, when they cried out to you and they groaned in the land of Egypt, when they were oppressed by the Egyptians, Father, we cry, oh God, even as African-Americans and other ethnic minorities in this country as they groan, as they wail, oh God. So, Father, we cry, God, like them out to you this morning. Our joy is gone. Grief is upon us. Our heart is sick within us. Behold, this morning, we cry out on behalf of the oppressed in our land, oh God, from the land and breadth of the land. Father, we cry out this morning. Father, It's been more than 400 years since the oppression started, Lord. The harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. For the wound of the daughter of our people is our heart wounded. Father, we mourn this morning. 
and dismay has taken hold on us, Father. So, Lord, we ask you, Father, how long will you continue, Lord? Lord, we ask you, God. Father, where are you? The God who brought Israel up out of the sea with the shepherds of your people. Where are you? The God who puts in the midst of them your Holy Spirit. You caused your glorious hand to go at the right hand of Moses. You are the God who divided the waters before them to make for yourself an everlasting name. Father, where are you, God? How long will this go on, Father? So we ask you this morning, would you look down from heaven and see, from your holy and beautiful habitation, Father, where is your zeal and your might? Where is the stirring of your inner past and your compassion? Lord, you are Father. Though Abraham does not know us and Israel does not acknowledge us, you, O oh Lord, are our Father. Your Redeemer from of old is your name. So, Lord, we ask you this morning, God, that would you restore justice to our land? Would you let righteousness prevail in our nation, O oh God? Father, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Father, we've had enough, O oh God. So, we ask you, God. The process has gone on for too long, O oh God. So, we pray, Father, would you restore righteousness? Justice in our land, oh God. My God, starting, oh God, even from within me right now, for me right now, for individuals in this room, oh God, for us as a church, oh God, as a city, God, as a nation, oh God. Lord, we pray, God, would you restore righteousness and justice, oh God. Would you put oh God, godly people in a place of authority, God, so that they can fight the cause, so that they can fight the cause of the oppressed in this land, Father. Lord, we trust you because you're our Father. And we know, Lord, that you do this, O oh God, for your own name's sake, O oh God. Lord, we trust you. Lord, we believe you, God, because we know that you are good. You're the God of justice, O oh God. So, Lord, we pray for all who are oppressed in this land, O oh God, that, Lord, once again, you bring your justice in the name of Jesus. We thank you this morning, God. So, help us to go, God, and walk in righteousness, and walk and fight the cause of the oppressed in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. We love you, God. In Jesus' name, amen.